Dog Zoom edition. Today's guest is John Jensen, the Milwaukee Admirals correspondent for Penalty Box Radio. John, how are you doing today? Doing great, Jack. Thanks for having me on the show again. I can't believe you keep inviting me back here. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, when you know a lot about hockey, I'll just have anyone on. So let's get down to business. Not to defeat the Huns, to talk about the Nashville Predators because they just lost in the qualifying round at the Arizona Coyotes, who are stinking it up right now. Right, they are not doing well. The Predators should have advanced, but for some reason, they didn't. Let's talk about why they didn't advance to the next round. John, what were your thoughts on the series uh, with Arizona and Nashville? So I, I think to answer this question, you have to look back to the 2017 Stanley Cup run and realize that while there was a great deal of skill on that Predators roster, they also had something that has been lacking since then and has been steadily decreasing on the Predators roster, which is a drive to win. And that just has not felt like it's been there since that 2017 run, um, the, you know, the, that season, the, the next season after the run where they won the President's Cup seemed like that was a trophy, seemed like it was going to be the season that, that they did it, right? It seemed like that was there, but then they get to the playoffs and they face a Colorado Avalanche team who is hungry. Now, it's a young team, lacked some experience, and so the Predators were able to clinch uh, and, and finish the Avalanche off in that series. But then you get a Jets team who was just on fire and who wanted it more, and the Predators didn't have an answer to it. And that issue was just worse against Dallas last season. And I, I mean – Honestly, I, I know I said that the Dallas situation was worse, but I feel like losing to the Arizona Coyotes in a qualifying round, they didn't want it. That's, that's it. It all comes down to this team was built on paper to win the Stanley Cup, but it lacks the one thing that you can't quantify on paper, which is hunger and drive to be champions. And the Predators don't have that right now. Mm-hmm. And with the looming talks, the looming extension talks of Nikhil Glenland, Craig Smith, got, I think, 10 unrestricted free agents about to just be turned loose, right? Uh, Colin Blackwell and Yakov Trenin uh, were two guys that haven't been signed full-time yet, sort of on um, less than $800,000 contracts. Other than Trennan and Blackwell, do you see any player coming back for this Preds team? You know, I think I'm going to repeat a lot of other um, Predators media members and just say that that I, I think Craig Smith at the right price makes sense. Whether or not that the Predators can get Craig Smith at the right, pl- right price is really the question there, as I don't know if they can get him for under his current price tag um, I, I do think that it wouldn't make sense to sign him to a long-term contract, maybe a one-year thing. But besides Blackwell, besides Trennan, I don't see any need to re-sign any of the unrestricted free agents that, that you have. I mean, you, you do have Trennan, I believe, is on uh, RFA this season. So makes sense for the Predators to retain him. He did great when he was playing with, with the Predators, but was also great in Milwaukee. Um, and Blackwell, same thing. You saw hunger and you saw drive out of him. Um, but 
you know, and I'm, I'm going to reference a private conversation that Jack and I had a, a couple of days ago, but it seemed like besides those young guys that came up from Milwaukee over the season, that the only player that really showcased that trait over the last two seasons has been Rocco Grimaldi. And the Predators need more of that. And I don't think that many of their free agents that are coming up have shown that, at least not in a Predators uniform. Uh, some names just to throw out there. Jared Tenorti, Yannick Weber, Corby and Holzer. You know, you got guys that do not fit into this system. You have guys that, you know, the Yannick Weber, 2015 Yannick Weber is not the same Yannick Weber right now. Uh, Jared Tenorti should have never been on the ice at all during the playoffs. He should have never even been on the ice for the Predators period. He was a great captain in Milwaukee, and I don't know why they removed him from that position. Um, but there are three defensemen that I want to look at. It's Davies, Allard, and Carrier. Those three guys should be fighting for that third defensive pairing on the NHL roster. So do you think that uh, Allard should be uh, sort of quarterbacking that third pairing? Because I know that the Predators haven't been exactly high on him, even though he's been rated the best defensive prospect. So do guys like Carrier and Davies see that promotion before Allard does? I, I do think at some point the Predators have to give Allard the opportunity to, to prove himself on that defensive pairing. I, I think that, like again, this is where we seem to be getting into trouble, is that on paper, Allard is the best player. Now, what I can say from observing him in, in Milwaukee is that he has drive, he has talent, he's – He's an essential part of that Milwaukee Admirals team. So then you start to need that on the Predators roster. So you need to see that, that translation from what you're doing on AHL ice and then be able to recreate that in an NHL situation. Uh, so I do think that Allard is still the best choice. I think that Carrier has, you know, he did have a chance in Nashville this season. It wasn't very long, but he, he did get a call up. Um, and he was okay. He's, he's great in Milwaukee again, but I, I just think that Allard is a better choice than Davies or Carrier for that role right now. But that's not to say that you couldn't find room for, for two of them, right? Like the, the Predators need to make up that third defensive pairing. And I think that the answer lies in its system as opposed to signing up free agent veteran defenseman again uh, and ending up in a similar situation to having Dan Hamhuis on your team for a long time. Right? Well, uh, <laughs> congratulations to Dan Hamhuis on a terrific career. He retired today and uh, all the best to him and all the best to his family. I'm glad that he was able to finish out his, his predator, his career in a predator uniform. So congratulations to Dan Hamhuis, but let's stay on the, the, the topic of, uh, defense real quick because we could talk all day about Ellie Tolvanen and what he could do in Nashville. But um, the third defensive pairing was a problem, even when the Predators were really, really good. In their President's Cup year, when they had Subban and Ekholm as the true first pairing, when they made Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis look like a second pairing, you know, that third pairing was still a problem. They couldn't figure it out. They, they, they ice Matt Irwin, they ice Yannick Weber. They, they, clearly the formula is not working. And 
this is going to seem like a little weird question, but when Ryan Ellis and Roman Yossi were developing in Milwaukee and then they made the transition into Nashville, was there, what, what was the secret to their immediate success? Because Ellis and Yossi had a pretty big role in Eklund for that matter too, when they got to Nashville. Yeah. And, and it's, it's tough to dissect that, especially in hindsight, I think where it comes down to it is that the Predators system has always been a strong defense system. That's, that's the way that the team has been built. It's no secret that Nashville thrives in developing defensemen uh, over developing uh, offensive talent, if we're being honest. And so I think that, that Ellis and Yossi both thrived in that system of growing up and becoming exactly what the Predators needed them to be. And we talk about the third defensive pairing, and it seems like the way that Nashville has constructed that so far has been about, okay, well, we've got our, we've got our Roman Yossi, who's homegrown. We've got Ryan Ellis, homegrown. Let's fill out the rest of it with, with free agents that we can sign, and let's go for experience, right? So that's, you know, Matt Irwin, not the most experienced in the world, but a little bit. And... Um, Dan Hamuse had been in the league for a long time by the time he returned to the Predators. So that, that was the solution that the Predators took and it didn't play out. It didn't work because your third pairing is probably the one where you should be using your young talent because they're going to get experienced. They're going to get NHL ice time. And so I, I think it comes from being born in the system. Uh, but number two is having that opportunity to show that you can do what you need to do to be successful. And we can't deny the talent that Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis bring anyway. Um, and of course, we, we talked about this in our, our private conversation is Ekholm has really struggled since Subban was traded to the New Jersey Devils because Subban just elevates the play of who's around him. He's that kind of player. And without that, you have to rely on a different structure and the Predators haven't made that adjustment yet. And one thing that the Predators defensemen, or at least we'll say the four horsemen that used to be, the, the Ellis, Yossi, Subban, Ekholm, the, the most unstoppable defensive pairing in the leagues, um, one thing that they did especially well was controlling the puck through the neutral zone, right? They maintained possession in the defensive zone, in the offensive zone, and in the neutral zone. That's not something we've seen out of Matthias Ekholm since P.K. Subban left. What I see in Frederick Allard, at least from his possession, met possession metrics, is he is the exact solution that the Predators need on paper, right? So what part of Frederick Allard's game needs improvement if he wants to crack the opening night roster, whenever that may be? Uh, which is, a, I think, the question that everyone is wondering, right, is what, what does a defenseman have to do to prove to – the powers that be, whether it is John Hines or it's David Poyle, that it's, it's his time. I, I don't, I don't know the answer. I'm not privy to that. I, I think, I do think that there has to be this team itself to address shortcomings. And one of the things that has frustrated fans for the last couple of seasons, and I think this season has really kind of, it, it, we're, we're done with it uh, is this idea that no, we have the right group of players in place this just wasn't our season, right? And that's been the narrative from the team since uh, since the 2017 Cup run. 
has been, no, keep the team together as much as possible. We have the right people. And at this point, that's just blatantly not true. The team obviously doesn't. So then you have to start addressing where are the shortfalls and you start looking at neutral zone possession. You start looking at zone entries and zone exits, and that's been a real problem. And so what you want to see out of a defensive prospect is does this player address the shortcomings that show up on that defensive pairing, since that's what we're talking about. And since Allard has the stats to show that he can move through the neutral zone, he can make zone entries and exits, he's, he's probably a good candidate for lining up with uh, either on the third pairing like we've been talking about. But I think something that we haven't mentioned yet is I don't know that I felt Dante Fabro was ready for the NHL for most of the season. Um, and I said we could dig up the tweets. I'm sure that they're there. Um, but I remember saying at the start of the season is that I really felt like Dante Fabro was going to struggle without spending any time in Milwaukee. And you look at the Nashville Predators roster and that that road to Nashville goes through Milwaukee idea is really true. Philip Forsberg spent more than one season in Milwaukee. Roman Yossi spent time in Milwaukee. Ryan Ellis spent time in Milwaukee. Pekarina spent seasons in Milwaukee. UC Saros, we could just keep going. Craig Smith, to the best of my knowledge, is the only player who spent a very brief amount of time with Milwaukee before ending up with the Nashville Predators, at least as far as players who took that route goes. Um, but the idea that Dante Fabro was ready out of the gate to be in the NHL – I didn't feel that way. Um, and I, I don't think I saw that all season that he was a defenseman who was ready to be on an NHL roster, let alone on a second defensive pairing of a team whose entire structure is built around strong defensemen. Yeah. And um, I don't think the solution is going out and getting a free agent. I don't think the solution is, um, you know, getting another second pairing defenseman so that Fabro can be put down to the third pairing where he can sort of grow a little bit more in a limited role. But um, I feel like Poyle has made his bed with Dante Fabro. It just sort of made their, you know, he's going to struggle, right? We, the Predators needed him when they did. And then, you know, now that everybody's starting to figure him out a little bit, he's having to adjust and he's having to start to get better or he's going to be thrown to the wolves. There's just no other way around it. Um, sort of transitioning into the forwards. Uh, David Poyle said today in the exit interviews, if you will, with the media, that the cupboard in Milwaukee is getting a little full, right? You got a lot of guys that are ready to start competing for a spot, which theoretically s solves the hunger issue. Right. If you got guys that are looking to take somebody's spot, if you got a guy like Rem Pitlick who wants to take Nick Benino's spot, then that create that heightens the competition, that heightens, you know, the stakes a little bit for guys on the main roster. So who are some players that you could see crack the opening night roster for that were on Milwaukee's team last year, but could be on this Predators team this year? Yeah, so I, I think that's uh, that was a long that's a really ask that question. My bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think that that's really the most important. You know, defense is is important, and obviously, so we just spent a lot of time talking about it. But the offensive piece of it is 
is the biggest struggle that the Predators faced all season is offensive production was horrendous um, for, for a lot of the season. Uh, you know, that first month was incredible, but then you signed Matt Duchesne on for $8 million and don't get much out of it. And that was the entire point. You're looking for a, a high scoring second line. Um, and the way that it was touted to fans at the beginning of the season was the Predators basically now have two first lines, right? That was what we, that's what was being told to the media. That's what was being told to fans. And that second line still could not figure it out after that first month. They, that first month they were pretty good, but after that it, it tapered off. Um, so I think they have to go to Milwaukee. And I think as far as players who might be ready to crack that opening night rosters, I, I do feel like Ellie Tolvanen is ready for his shot. I'm not going to say that I think Ellie Tolvanen is ready to be in the NHL, but I think he is ready to prove himself in the NHL. And that might be enough um, because I, I do think that, that if you te- tell Ellie Tolvanen that, Hey, you're about to spend another season in the AHL, he might just lose it. <laughs> that's a, that's a joke, but um, he, he obviously was frustrated at the beginning of, of this last season, starting another season in Milwaukee. I think he thought he would be in Nashville a lot sooner than he has been. Um, I think he thought at the very least he'd be the go-to call-up person. And it's, it's been, I think he's only had two call-ups. Um, so he hasn't spent meaningful time in Milwaukee or sorry, in Nashville anyway, Um Towards the end of the season for Milwaukee this last season, he did really uh, kind of explode. He, he struggled for the first part of the season and then really kind of figured out his game a little bit more. So I, I think that Ellie Tolvanen is ready for his shot in Nashville. We're going to have to see how that goes. Um, I heard some rumblings that he might be the perfect person to put on wing with uh, Matt Duchesne. That's very possible. He's He's that kind of player that that could capitalize on some of the creative playmaking that Duchesne is known for. So I, I think that he's probably the top prospect when it comes to offensive production. Um, I do think that Rem Pitlick deserves a look. Um, he's only spent one season now in Milwaukee. And again, another player who struggled for the first part of the season, but then really found his game and actually was a central part to Milwaukee's uh, power play domination and uh, I'm actually shocked we've managed to go as long into this conversation about Nashville without saying the word power play. But uh, I mean, Rem Pitlick fits, fits that pretty nicely. He's, he's talented. He's fast. He gets in the right place. And he, he was great on the power play for Milwaukee and they had the most dominant power play in the, in the AHL this last season. So I think that those two are really the strongest candidates. Um, I think it's unfair to talk about re-signing Blackwell in this part of the discussion. I think he deserves more time in Nashville, um, but he's, he's no longer um, someone that's just a, a call-up situation. He's, he's now a contract that needs to be re-signed, and so is Yakov Trenin, because I think he's the other one. Um, Dan Carr is a great AHL player. That's what I'll say about Dan Carr. He led the team in points. He's not he's not the guy for the Predators. Well, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. You need guys in the AHL. And some, some guys don't make that track to the National Hockey League. And that just happens. I mean, 
somebody's got to lead. Somebody's got to lead the home run categories in the minor leagues. Somebody's got to do it, right? And I feel like that's who Dan Carr is. Nothing wrong with that. But that's actually a great transition for my last question. Let's talk about Ellie Tolvanen. All right. Let's call him what he is right now. Okay. He he spent two years in Milwaukee, I believe. Am I correct with that? Yep. And people have been people have been really looking to him as the next Philip Forsberg, right? This 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 sharpshooting left-handed Philip Forsberg drafted two years ago. He's he's been in Milwaukee. From what you've seen, what is a reasonable expectation for Ellie Tolvanen should he crack the Predators roster? Obviously, you can't give him third and fourth line minutes. He's not going to thrive. You got to put him in a position to succeed, which means power play and second line. So if Tolvanen cracks this roster, what can fans reasonably expect? I think fans are going to have to be a little more patient with Ellie Tolvanen than I, I think that they're ready to be. Uh, I, I do think that he's going to take some time to get used to a different environment. Uh, as far as the NHL goes, I think new line mates are going to be important. You know, he's, he's been on a similar um, line for his entire time with Milwaukee. And I, I think he, he has the potential to be great what I think Carl Taylor has done really nicely with Ellie Tolvanen is taken him from being what, what I felt like was kind of a one trick pony sort of situation and made him a little more versatile. Um, when he first started uh, in Milwaukee, it seemed like every shot came from the top of the circle. It was the exact same shot every time. And it's a sniper. Like it's, it's a hard shot, but it doesn't, it doesn't score a goal every time and no shot does, but it, it uh, wasn't working for him. And it seemed like this season started the same way was that every shot top of the circle, not much connecting. He led the team in shots for the entire season and didn't get into the top five as far as points go until much later in the season. So it took him a while to get, get up and going. Um, so I think the key is, is that once he's handed from Carl Taylor over to John Hines, that Hines needs to make sure that he is staying versatile with whoever he's paired up with. And, and let's assume that he gets put on that second line with Matt Duchesne. He has to stay versatile. His, his, uh, his success is not going to come from that top of the point shot relying on Duchesne somehow getting it to him. He, he needs to get closer to the net. He needs to get dirty. Uh, and as long as he can do that and that transition between uh, Coach Taylor and Coach Hines is good, I think that Ellie Tolvin has a lot of potential. Um, but I also think that he's the type of player who has the potential, if things aren't going great, to struggle. Um, and we've seen that a lot with this Predators team over the last couple of seasons is when they get in their own head, it, you might as well just forget about it. It's going to get worse. I mean, you just – Look at that Colorado Avalanche game from uh, earlier in the season. It just kept getting worse. And I feel like he has that tendency. Um, so as long as we keep him out of that situation, I think we have a really good potential there. Um, I do think, though, that, and I've said this for the last two seasons, 
is do not expect him to be Philip Forsberg. He, this, I do not think that Ellie Tolvin is going to turn into a top line superstar like he was sold to fans when he was first drafted. I, I think he's a second line. He, um, Fred fans are going to be divided on this. I think he's going to be like a Kevin Fiala, and it's going to be about whether or not the system benefits him. And if it doesn't, where do we go? Well, and one word that has been described for Tolvanen is complimentary. He can pretty much fit anywhere you put him on the lineup. It's just what position really fits his style of play, where he's in the lineup, what kind of minutes he's getting, kind of adds to that confidence level a little bit. And uh, one more follow-up, I guess. If the solution isn't youth, if the solution is not bringing guys up through Milwaukee, if the solution isn't, you know, these guys that really want that NHL spot, they, let's say they get through training camp, they earn their spot, and then the Predators don't do well. What's the solution? What's the solution? Because they've gone out and David Poyle got the all-star team of 2015, manned it on the ice for two seasons. It didn't work. So they're going to try youth. What's the solution, John? Hell if I know. <laughs> what, I'll, <laughs> what I'll say is, is I think you have to give the youth strategy a try. I, I think it does lend a lot because I think adding that hunger component to the talent and skill that comes along with a Matthew Shane, that comes along with the Joe Feline, um, you, you give that defensive uh, superstar first – pairing uh, an offensive line that can help them out. I, I think that you've got a, a good team. I, I think the thing that I came to terms with at the end of the Coyotes series is that I really think that the Stanley cup window that we've been talking about for the last three seasons is, is now closed or at the very least it's only open a smidge. It's, it's pretty closed. I, I think um, that the opportunity for the National Predators to win a Stanley Cup while Pecorine is the head of the team, I think it's done. I think we've learned that that's not going to happen without making changes. And I think while going this youth route is the way to go, I think Preds fans need to remember that every team goes through this and that the first season of it isn't going to be great. Um, there's a chance that the Predators don't make the playoffs at the end of a first season using mostly youth from their, from their farm system. I think that it's okay to be acknowledging that the rebuild is starting, but I think it's one of those situations where we need to call it what it is and that the window is closed and it's time for us to do some rebuilding and figure out what the identity is and what's, what's the winning formula. There you have it, folks, and that's that. That's from a dude who lives in Milwaukee. So you're getting some 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 great A knowledge, what I like to call it. John, thank you so much for coming on Puck Talk today. It's been always a pleasure. Absolutely, Jack. Thanks for having me again. Well, folks, we'll be back here soon with Puck Talk uh, as I transition back to school because it looks like I'm going back to school. So, uh, <laughs> um. Stay tuned for some radio content. And once again, John, thank you for coming on. You bet. Thanks, Jack. See you next time.